Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Nick, is this okay? Can I bend it? Yeah, brilliant. Good evening, everyone. Oh, somebody knows me. I've got George there in the middle of that. That's brilliant. Uh, it's great to be um, with you um, here tonight. Now, I want to share um, some of the work that I do um, with New Wine Ireland. I, I have a lovely title. I have a lovely title that they've given me a new wine. I'm Leadership and Mission Development Coordinator. Um, where that come from, I, I'm not sure. But I'll come back to that in a minute or two. Just in case there's some people here you don't know much about New Wine, um, I'll just sort of give a quick snapshot of who we are and what we do. We've sort of a strap line, and our strap line is this, um, that the local church is a hope for our nation. That the local church is a hope for our nation. And, and, and what we mean by this, if you travel up and down Ireland, north, south, east, west, wherever you go, and practically every town there's at least one church. There's at least church, many towns, there's a lot, lot more churches, but there's a church near enough in every town in Ireland, if not in every town in Ireland. And, and no matter what our, our politicians might be doing or not doing, no matter about Brexit and what's happening with that, the local church is the carrier and the proclaimer of the kingdom of God. That's our role, that's our calling. We're, we're, we're charged with bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ here on earth. So therefore, the church is the hope of the nation. We are, in a sense, that hope. You know, we, we can look at politicians for answers, and we, you know, we, we can look at, we can have our personal problems, we can have our social problems, we can have our cultural problems, we can have our political problems. Whatever the problems are, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but actually Jesus is the answer. Jesus, no matter what we because why is it because God changes and transforms lives? God changes and transforms lives. And a new wine, I suppose, we enable in whatever way we can the church to do that. That's what we see as our, we're not a church, but we enable the church. Whatever denomination, whatever denomination comes and looks for us, we will try to help them to do it. And we run training days, we run training days in youth and children's ministry, we run training days in prayer, we run training days in evangelism, we've uh, leadership training days, we have leadership retreats, we have our summer conference that many of you would know about, and as Simon's already said, we, we run an evangelist training course, a two-year distant learning course, which I oversee, and which I think about 35 people have completed that and are involved in ministry one way or the other. So that's a bit of a, an overview of New Wine. You really find it all on the website. Um, I don't really want to spend much time on that. But my role is what I want to talk about tonight, or what I've been asked to talk about tonight. And, and uh, mainly two parts. There's two parts to my role um, within New Wine. First is working with church leaders. Now, that's a difficult job, believe you me. Working with church I, I'm supposed to encourage them to look beyond their walls to the mission field that's out there. Not the mission, yes, the mission field that's in here, but also the mission field that's out there. To reach and to think about them people that never darken our doors on a Sunday or indeed any other of the week. You know, I ask church leaders or their elders or their vestry, 
One of the questions I asked them, how much of your time, your energy, your resources is put into people out there compared to what's put into the church? Now, there are exceptions to the answer I get, but generally, it's very, very little. There's very, very little goes to time, resources, money, energy to the people who don't come along. We actually spend the majority of our time with the people who do come along. We might put up the odd poster inviting people or we're really brave, we'll do a leaflet drop or, or we might run something. But actually, when we even do run something, we look at it through the lenses of what we like, what we need and what we want. And then we wonder, why do people not come along? Why do people not come along? There, there, there's some of us are Christians that long, or maybe we've never done this in the first place, that we don't know what it's like to sit in the pub on a Saturday night and get absolutely loaded out of our brains. Sunday morning's a million mile away from us. You go into any of the parks on the Sunday, you'll see all the sports. How do we reach them people? How do we reach them people with the gospel? My challenge... And my job is to start, get churches to start to think about that. You know, we're great at looking after the 99, but we're not that great at reaching out for the one, going searching for the one. And actually, I think if you look at that story in the Bible, I think we need to turn that round. I think we're now the one. And the 99's out there. The 99's out there. And what does Jesus tell us to do? We're to go. We're to go out there. That's our calling, we're to go. So, how do we change churches from the social clubs to lifeboat stations? That's part of my challenge. Nice little job, isn't it? That's part of my challenge. Then the second part of my job is really connected to that, and that's doing mission. It's doing mission. I have a brilliant job. I really have a brilliant job. I trained as a, a church army, but you forgot that title, I'm a church army officer. Uh, I trained as a church army evangelist, and, and New Wine gave me the privilege of, uh, of going to churches and doing mission. I've been freed up to go and do my... You know, I got went down the country, you know, in churches. You know, and, and as I said earlier on, there's a church in every town, near enough. There's a church in every town. But in truth, mission isn't really at the top of their agendas. But you know what I found is interesting over the last number of years? Maybe it's gone on and I just never knew it. But there's an increasing interest within the church to do mission. There's increasing interest there to reach the community that churches are placed in, reach their communities with the gospel. Maybe some of that's to do with falling numbers. But I actually think God is at work in Ireland. When I, well, when I usually go to, to do a mission in the church, what, what I try to do, I, I bring a team with me, but I also try to try, train a team there so that actually something, something is left behind. Now, for those of you that know me, and there's not many here who do know me, that's great. Um, I'm probably not your normal evangelist. I'm not your normal if evangelist. If you ever had, can have a normal evangelist, I, I, I'm not one. I freely admit at times I find it really awkward to talk about Jesus in an unchurch environment. To bring Jesus up in an unchurch environment. I find that difficult. 
It doesn't come easy to me. But I, I really sense that God has called me to be an evangelist. So how do you get around that other than just dreading every day that you go to work? Well, in my struggle with that, in my struggle in the ministry, I come across the words in Exodus 33, and, and Moses is having a discussion with the Lord. And Moses says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence amongst us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. What makes us different from the world around us? Is it that we go to church? Not really. Is it that we, that we have a different lifestyle? Could be. But actually what really makes us different is that the presence of God dwells within us. We're born again of the Spirit of God. And everywhere we go, we carry the very presence of God. That's what makes us different. Or at least it should be what makes us different. We convert no one. Yes, we're with a calling to go, but actually we convert no one. God converts all. God converts all. You know, so often in our land, I get on my hobby horse a wee bit, so often in our land, when we're talking to those that don't know Jesus, we start with sin. That's our starting point. Our starting point is sin. You miserable sinner. That's where we start at. Do you know you're a sinner? Maybe it's our Northern Ireland bluntness. Like we just tell it as it is. I don't know. But that's what we start at. Yet we're told that God so loved the world. God so loved the world. It began with love. So I wondered in all my confusion of trying to figure out how God was calling me as an evangelist and, and putting this all together, I wondered if I began with love rather than sin and compassion rather than condemnation, what would happen? What would happen? Would anything change? Let God's presence be there and do the speaking before I really open my mouth. You know, we're told in 1 Peter 3, aren't we? Always be prepared to give an answer for the faith that you have. And we're great at quoting that, but there's a wee bit comes after it. With gentleness and respect. So a number of years back, that's why I started in. I've carried that into the ministry that I do with New Wine Ireland. I was on a mission a couple of years ago in a, in a country parish, in Church of Ireland parish. And I end up in a load of these wee, wee, wee parishes over the last number of years, and it's great. And, and, and the, the, the sad thing was, they looked all over Ireland to get someone to do a mission, and they could find nobody. And they went to England to find somebody, and the person in England come back to me. There's how I got, I got to do this mission. And um, taking this theory out onto the streets... And I went out, and first door I knocked on. This guy come to the door. Late 50s, maybe early 60s, long gray hair, tattoos. Just the right one you want at the door. And it was them tattoos, you know, you'd love across the knuckles here and hate and this and that. thought, right, okay, let's go for it. Starting with a place of love and compassion. Is there anything we can pray for you for? Is there anything we can pray for you for? And he said, no, and we got into a conversation. I really sensed there was something this guy needed prayer for, so I, 
I sort of persisted on it. I am a bit. I can't persevere. Like. And it turned out he terminal cancer. He terminal cancer. And he's there with his, his wife and his, his grandkids, standing on his doorstep. Terminal cancer. Two strangers standing on the door he'd never met before. And we prayed for him. And then I just asked him, look, God's already there, you see. So it, I just said, do you know about Jesus? Oh, I know about Jesus born in the manger. Down there. I said, but do you know the story? Do you know why he done that? And I just very gently shared the gospel with him. That actually he is a sinner and he needs to do something about that. And actually Jesus sorted it all out in the front. Got to the end of that. I said, look, would you like to know this Jesus? He says, yes, I would love to know this Jesus. And we prayed for him on the doorstep and he gave his life to the Lord and we put him in contact with the church leader. I could tell countless stories like that. Of when you come with love rather than sin, compassion rather than condemnation, people respond to Jesus. There was at a another mission there just a couple of months back. And it was one of these churches where, where you find, when did they last do a mission? They tell you in living memory, they can never remember doing a mission. And you end up coming. And this particular church, there wasn't that many people keen on us doing a mission, but we've done it anyway. And part of it was that they had a, a drop-in cafe in a little village where nobody in the church really went. You know, it was a predominantly nationalist community. So they just, they just drop in cafe. And what happens with drop in cafes is the church people will come along, you know, the scones, there's tea. But what about the community we're supposed to be reaching? So one, one of the teams that was when we decided that we would, we would go, go with the tea and the coffee and the scones to the houses out round. So, so we started that. And I said, yeah, but when we go, we're, go, we're, we're going to do more than that. Like, we, you know, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to do more than that. So we went in. And first house, we got people in. There's two guys. Very clearly, the guys had led a very hard lifestyle. Drugs, alcohol. I actually discovered later that one of them was actually a drug dealer, but anyway. And we got in there with the scones and the, the jam and the tea and the coffee. Decided after a couple of doors that was too much hassle. That's just, we'll just go to the doors. But anyway, at this particular case, we went in. And, and I could see that the guy was physically, he wasn't well. Here goes... I said, no, can, can we pray for you? In the middle of talking about scones and jam, can we pray for you? I said, yeah, 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 pray for him. Pray for him and he was healed. There and then. And we got into this great conversation about Jesus. Got into this conversation about Jesus. I'd love to say he gave his life to the Lord, but he didn't, but he really knew what he needed to do. I thought, right, let's go on down. Let's do the rest of these doors. Let, let's go out. And, you know, there was, there was folks there with me that had never done door to door before. By the time we got to the last door, they were buzzing. There wasn't a door was slammed in her face. There wasn't a person who didn't accept prayer. And there wasn't a person who didn't hear about Jesus in that village. There wasn't one. See, what I've discovered is this. I'm up and down this island quite a bit. Contrary to what we believe in the church, actually, people out there are interested in Jesus. 
They actually are. They're interested in etern- things of eternity. They are. And we should, we should know that because we read in Ecclesiastes 3 that God has placed eternity in the human heart. But what they don't, what is their biggest turnoff for them is the way that we present Jesus. The way we present Jesus. And the way that we close our doors to the brokenness and the messiness of their lives. Can I put a challenge out there? Have we made church too comfortable and too nice? Of course, the mission field isn't only out there. The mission field's in here. The mission field's in here. You know, when I first became a Christian and uh, that sense of a calling of an evangelist, a a mentor I had gave me some brilliant advice. He said, never assume your congregation. In other words, never assume everyone you're talking to is a Christian, so the night I'm not assuming that you're all Christians. I never do it. But, you know, it was one of the greatest bit of information that was given to me. See, the reality is our churches are full of good people, of nice people, of prayerful people, of people that read God's Word, but they don't know Jesus. You think, well, now that's a bit of a rough statement. Maybe I'm talking more about the traditional church. Maybe the Baptists here and that. You're, 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 you're different. I'll go for the Presbyterians and the Methodists and Church of Ireland. How about that? But what I have discovered that the church is full of people who are hungry to know the truth and will respond to it when you approach them with a heart of compassion and a heart of love. You know, I, I led... Two missions in rural churches in the last number of months. Um, That's great. I love it. And like, on one of them, they only had four events. Now, who's here? Who here is Church of Iron? Put your hand up if you're Church of Iron. Right, you put your hand down. Simon's not sure. Who here knows the late evening office in the Church of Iron? Put your hand up now. What about the rest of you? Come on. Well, it, it wouldn't be what you would class as a, as, as a great mission event, and a, as an evangelistic service. Well, I want to do this. My, basically, for those that don't know it, it's just, it's really liturgy. It's going through its prayers and so that's, and they'd me speaking in the middle of it. Every night, people responded to Jesus. Every, I'd never seen it in my life before. Every night, people give their lives to Christ. And there was one event on one night and 13 people give their lives to Jesus. 13 people give their lives to Jesus. I wonder how many churches are there like that in Ireland? If someone would just go in and share Jesus. If someone would go in and draw alongside a minister who's worn out, tired, and beaten. And come in with a fresh voice and talk about Jesus. How many more people would we see? I've seen working in rural churches this last year, I've seen well over 100 people give their lives to Jesus. Done very, very simply. You know, there's a trend in the church today that... um, We leave the, the, the dead or the dying church and go and join the latest new thing where there's maybe better worship or 
better biblical sound teaching or, or, or whatever it may be. And, and sometimes that's right to do that. But actually, a lot of the times, I don't think it is. Because if we carry the life that's in the church, when we leave it, then the church just becomes more dead. I wonder, for those of us that have plenty, you know, plenty in resources, plenty in finance, and strong in faith, should we not turn to our brothers and sisters a bit more and put an arm around them and walk with them? Rather than what we tend to do a lot of the time is condemn them because they haven't the faith that we have. And we fire back and forward at one another. I wonder what the difference would be if we just put an arm around and say, let's walk together and let's see what God will do. Jesus loved them so much that he left heaven to die on a cross for them. And there is that wee phrase he kept running over that we're to love one another. There's so much more I could say on that, and my time's probably running out here. Um, one last thing. On your... Should, everybody should have one of them, at least one of them, yeah? Um, this is another little part of my job that sort of come in before the summer. Um, New Wine Ireland, along with the, the Pocket Testament League, with a mad vision, okay? It really is a mad vision. It's actually impossible. By ourselves, it's impossible. And it's that everyone in Ireland would have one of these here. There's a John's Gospel at the front. There's a, a little bit that explains the gospel and that we need to make a response to Jesus and there's a prayer of commitment and the rest of it's John's gospel. And the vision is that everybody in Ireland would have one of these in their hand. Why why would we do that? Why would we do that? Well, we're told that God's word is alive and active, aren't we? We're told in 2 Corinthians 5 that it is the power to transform and change lives. Actually, it's really easy. This is easy. You just just need to give it to someone. You don't actually have to say anything. Just give it to them. And walk on, run if you have to. If that's what you feel like. Or or, or set it down in the bus seat when you're you're going out of the bus or or in the dentist or the doctor's surgery, whatever it is. You don't need to be overly brave. You just need to take it and give it away. And after all that I've said tonight, No one tells God's story better than God himself. No one tells God's story better than God himself. He's better at it than any of us. So as I close tonight, can I encourage you to take that away? In fact, can I encourage you to take them all away? There's ones in seats where nobody's sitting. Take it away and give it to someone. There's a challenge for you this week. Take it away. And give. We all know people who don't know Jesus. We probably could take loads of them away and give it to someone and see what God will do. And if you're in a church and you would like some, please come and speak to me or go onto the New Wine website. We, at our summer conference, I brought 10,000 to our summer conference in Sligo. There's about 2,000 people there. 10,000 were gone before the conference was over. 
I ordered another 12,000 before I went on holidays. And they're gone. I have another 13,000 coming, so don't worry. But you know something? There's 6.7 million people in Ireland. I wonder how many of them need to know Jesus. This is one wee way. One wee way. That we all can actually be a part of seeing someone's life changed and transformed. Thank you. Thanks, George. Um, just a couple of announcements before we move on. Uh, the first is to say that throughout the rest of this week, obviously, Bangor Worldwide Mission is continuing, and I'm going to invite Lorraine up here. Where's Lorraine? There, come on ahead. She's going to give you a little bit more detail. And as she's coming up to remind you that uh, Bishop Harold's Bible Week is on in Shankar Parish Church every We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.